Welcome in everyone to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built. And we are a member of the 1012 Podcast Network, and you can find more great Big 12 content over at 1012network.com. Calm. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. I'd also like to remind you, this show is brought to you by our friends over at Charlie Hustle clothing company charlie hustle is a vintage inspired clothing company based out of kansas city that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel they want you to be the best dressed fan all season we've only got a few weeks left so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today and show off your school spirit as long as you can with over 30 schools to choose from they've got you covered with all your collegiate apparel needs you that's right, you can get 15% off any non-sale item by using the code 101215, that's T-E-N-1215 at checkout over at charliehustle.com. Charlie Hustle, vintage, made fresh. My name is Gerald Goodrich, I'm back with you this week like I am more often than not, and I'm joined by a man who did an incredible job filling in for me, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, you know, it's never quite the same without you, Gerald. Uh I was thinking the only thing I'm going to miss about not playing TCU again is uh, Melissa Trebowasser coming on the show because otherwise they're just uh, heartburn in in football team form. Uh, But, you know, even with one of our favorite guests and and getting to rub that in your face that you weren't here for it, it did feel a little lonely doing it without you. You know, our our, our banter uh, back and forth, even with a guest on, you know, it's uh, it's tough shouting into the void. Thank you to the listeners for uh, for being my sounding board <laughs> since Gerald wasn't here. Also, no one to check me. My rambles just kept going and going and going. Uh, honestly, it was impressive. I listened to it. I think the hardest part for me was an essay hardest part. I was sitting in this beautiful hotel room in, in the, the lounge in, in Bangalore, India, having a wonderful fresh squeezed mango juice, watching you two coordinate. Nate, wow. this uh, this recording, um, and that was really tough for me until I remembered it it, like looked it. Out, until I looked out the window and then took a sip of my freshly squeezed mango <laughs> No, so if you didn't weren't aware, I was out of town for eight days on business. Went to India and Singapore for uh, my day job, the mysterious day job. So you know what I do, but uh, I'm back. I got to be a little bit of a part of the recap show last week and talk about that um, that Kansas State game that. Whew, that was a tough one, and um, this one was another tough one. Kyle, I don't know what else to say. Uh, Texas goes to Fort Worth and has some squeaky bum time, gets out with a three-point win over the Horn Frogs in the last meeting that is on the schedule for the foreseeable future. Uh, a lot to talk about there, a lot to talk about in Down the 40. Um, got some people competing on the national level, so we'll talk about all that incredible stuff going on basketball on both the men's and the ladies has tipped off as well, obviously. Then we'll close the show out with some bang the drum. But Texas built up a big lead, leading by three scores going into the fourth quarter, and stop me if you've heard this before, gave up that massive fourth quarter lead and had to squeak it out thanks to some heroics by the usual suspects Jonathan Brooks who unfortunately uh, will miss the remainder of the season due to injury we'll talk about that in a little bit Adonai Mitchell sealed the game with a absolutely incredible adjustment on a floater from Quinn Ewers to convert on a first down to end the game for 
the as we sit here, you know, I I have mixed feelings about this game, right? And mixed feelings about the team as we sit overall, right? Like I'm frustrated by some of the choices, you know, uh, Sark is making the choices that he thinks that they need to do to win the games and be successful. Uh, Pete Kwiatkowski, Sark mentioned it in uh, his Monday press conference that I think the, the calls have been a little less aggressive. The players themselves have been playing those less aggressive calls less aggressively. And so it's turning into a little bit of a foot off the gas situation, which yes, is frustrating. But when push comes to shove, Texas has its best start since they played for a national championship 14 years ago i'm having more fun watching texas football than i've had since colt mccoy got injured in that national championship game so like yes texas is not doing all of the things that it can do to win these games but ultimately texas with just two regular season games left on the schedule texas controls its own destiny for a conference championship and a potential shot at a national championship so like it feels like we're talking out of both sides of our mouths yeah gerald I'm going to talk about this a little bit more at the end of the show. I won't go too much into it here, but um, nine and one and, and holding on to win is way better than, uh, man, we lost so many close ones where we gave five and up. seven. Yeah. Yeah. We, the, the, the net point differential is not that much greater uh, at this point. It feels like uh, we're just on the right side of history the past couple of weeks. Uh, no, look, this was a game where, in the first half, some things broke right towards the end of it where they you know, get a touchdown, get the interception, are able to convert with limited time remaining. They executed, and it looked like, okay, they, they've broken TCU. They're going to break out, right? There's there's a gear that we keep saying we're looking for, but then again, you know, this is a team that has scored 30 points in, in every game up to this week, right? The, the first time they've done that in, in school history. So, um there is some level of consistency, but you want, where's that 50 point game, right? Where's that 60 point game? Where do they just step on somebody and, and, you know, get those backups in, leave no doubt. Um, even with Tom Herman, right. Who was a man who, who wouldn't lose or win, you know, by always, always within a touchdown. And then right into the Sark era. I mean, it's, can we just have a nice relaxing four touchdown win. Like just, I don't want to have to care uh, in the fourth quarter. I want to be able to, you know, crack a beer and just watch casually instead of <laughs> have my heart rate monitor go off. Right now the, the execution in the first half that, that kind of came together seemed to lack in the second half, right? There's a third and one conversion where, you know, Xavier Worthy who had a great game whiffs on a block and Jonte Cook gets blown up uh, in the, in the backfield. You know, there's AD Mitchell kind of thinking it's a run play and jogging uh, or stopping his route altogether on, on a deep shot where he you know may have been Quinn's target right Quinn obviously had a little bit of a little bit of probably 90% of his arm didn't have the whole thing you could see it on the interception um it wasn't there but you know you had um you had you know a couple different players Sanders Baxter uh who it looked like you know hey usually you kind of run through those arm tackles you know and they went down relatively easy in the second half on a couple plays offensive line you know you had your block and then you let him off and instead of a a 13 yard gain it's a three yard gain right there just felt like those execution issues all over in the second half um we've had i don't want to say fun the internet has collectively taken to calling sark too aggressive not aggressive enough needs to run the ball doesn't run the ball enough needs to use it you know it's like 
the the internet coaches have given every iteration and derivation of, of what he should do at this point. Um, you know, anything that we do, it's like, I should have done the other thing. It's, it's tough, and I, I get it. It's frustrating. There was, you know, I want short yardage to be able to convert those. I want to go bully people, uh, you know need we need that we need that gear if we really want that next level of goals but in this game we did enough last week we did enough you know u of h we did enough we've gotten a bat nasty little habit post ou of just doing enough um i don't know what they're saving for the big 12 championship or what we'll talk about iowa state in a minute but um you know there is another level that this offense and this team needs to get to you see it in the game it plays out you see the light bending to it where okay here's where they step up and this game is out of you know kind of like the baylor game right and even in that game they fumbled two two punts like they just they can't uh they can't execute someone and and they they you know kind of it's the it's the more humane thing to do at that point it's just you know if they're if they're injured if they're hurt uh, if you see the deer on the side of the road to hit with your car the more humane thing is to put them out of their misery uh Texas doesn't know how. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the problem, right? I was tweeting on uh, Saturday the the Alec Baldwin clip from uh, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Say that twelve times fast uh, about coffee is for closers, right? And that's what I felt like watching Texas is like none of them can close. Like that's the that's the issue and and you know i i joke that adonai mitchell's the only one that gets coffee this week because he's the only closer on the team but legitimately i think and this is one of those things where like we can kind of tie two things together right texas's inability to close people directly led to jonathan brooks having to play late in the game and ultimately getting hurt right like if you're able to get him out of the game earlier this is one of the risks that happens when you don't close out is that your starters have to play too far into some games that should be blowouts that should be garbage time no offense to you know Jaden Blue or any of the other guys on the roster but like Jonathan Brooks should not have been on the field at that point because Texas should have been able to put TCU away and get that guy some rest and now he's you know saw his draft stock take a hit he's probably going to or he's obviously going to be out for the year likely uh, having to come back next year and show that that knee is healthy enough to play you know he was working his way into RB1 conversations but um, you know we could talk about Jonathan Brooks, who before he got injured, had a, had a hell of a game. Um, another one of those like incredible outings showing like he the, was the parting gift that Stan Drayton really left under the tree before he went to Temple. Um, but like absolutely incredible, 104 yards, two scores, uh, added on 74 receiving yards, um, you know, putting his name up there with guys like Earl, uh, you know, Earl Campbell and Ricky Williams and Cedric Benson and all of those like underclassmen that had incredible seasons. Like he was having one of those years and was likely going to win an award for it. So it sucks to see him um, go out like that. And, you know, you and I, like, I'm gutted for that kid. Like he did it the right way and the right way is like an overuse thing. Right. But like he came in, saw Texas like nipping at his, you know, kind of, rec- you know, recruiting over him. Right. As soon as you get on campus, they're recruiting your replacement. But he, you know, ended up staying around, sat behind Bijan, had was having himself a year that, you know, got him into the NFL draft conversation. So it just sucks to see him go out that way. Um, and it leaves a really big gap for Texas uh, because, you know, CJ Baxter is good, right? Jaden Blue is good. But you can see there's a drop-off between the two uh, when, when Jonathan Brooks was on the field. Yeah, there's a longer conversation to be had, and there's a long offseason we can have it about whether – um, this means Brooks comes back for another year. You know, there was people putting him in the RB1, RB2 range, you know, pretty consistently in, in the draft board. Um, uh, Doak Walker was not, you know, guaranteed, but likely, honestly, at, at the point the way he was playing. Um, 
so it's tough. Does he come back? We'll you know we'll see. Uh, one player who did come back was 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 Quinn, and and he gutted this one out, right? And and maybe there's a, a point next year where they both come back to prove something fully healthy, a year full health, what they can do. But before I leave off Brooks, I did think it was interesting, right? Um, I think Danny Davis pulled this up. Both he and Bijan in their breakout season went out in the 10th game of the year. Um, Brooks out for their main season with that torn ACL. But Bijan, 195 carries, 11-27, 11 touchdowns in 10 games. Brooks, 187 carries, 11-39, and 10 touchdowns. Almost identical stat lines in their breakout years. I didn't pull up their uh, their receiving numbers, but both were, were quite good there as well. Um, and went out in the 10th game. Bijan came back and turned himself into the, you know, the eighth overall pick uh, for a running back, which is crazy. Um, does Brooks see that and, and, and think? I, I don't know. Again, long conversation to be had there. But like I said, Ewers did come back in this one, and we probably don't win this game um, without him. As much as I think Malik Murphy has the stuff, just the the polish, the uh, bend there, the ability to make the plays, right? You throw the interception, incredible play. Well, I think play of the game to by Whittington and, and worthy to get that ball back. But um, throw the interception, get the ball back, and then immediately go with the confidence to throw perfect on a dime deep ball to worthy right the uh, the guts on the third and 12 which great pickup by Baxter on that play to his credit um you know to even put it out there for for Adonai Mitchell to make the adjustment which he did flawlessly to seal the game right like Ewers made some winning plays in this game there's no doubt um about that and so good for him for coming back even you could tell he wasn't 100 right that deep ball he couldn't get it there on that that interception it it it, you know needed another 5 10 yards of air uh and could have been a, a deadly completion right so um thought he had a good game a really good game a gutsy uh game but you know hopefully he keeps getting better throughout the year and and can have a little bit more of his patented arm strength. I did see him throw a couple balls away, just out into the ether, uh, non-intentional grounding throwaways that weren't eligible for interception. It was beautiful to see that on a drop snap, just threw it over guys' heads out of the bounds. That's been asking for that for years. It's maturity. It's growth. Um, And and, I mean, I, I honestly think, you know, like I said, Quinn causes this game to be a W, not an L, even with the backslide. Uh, but the offensive line was the consistent thing for me throughout the course of the game, especially, and this is maybe not where we saw it in the beginning of the year, but especially protecting the quarterback in that pass. Yeah, I mean, that's part of what, you know, Sark mentioned it again in the Monday press conference that, like, Quinn's going to get healthy if the offensive line plays like it did uh, against TCU, right? They gave up just three tackles for a loss, zero sacks, zero pressures, right? That is a clean jersey. That's Brennan Thompson clean, if I've ever <laughs> seen it on the jersey. Uh, catching strays there, Brennan. I'm sorry, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, like that's that's a way for Texas to be successful. Um, if you know Quinn, Quinn is able to just stand to be comfortable in the pocket, and yeah, that that interception was a bit tough and a bit rough, but um, you know when push comes to shove, Sark came right back to him on that next on mm-hmm. that next drive um and through the same exact pass to the same exact spot um the safety just wasn't creeping over the top and x had a big big reception for it uh finished the game with 137 yards on 10 receptions for xavier worthy jt sanders four receptions 47 yards to eclipse the 1000 yard <laughs> receiving total um 
And those weren't easy catches, Kyle. They were um, showing off the hands. And I want to take this moment to apologize to everyone. As being somebody who was begging JT Sanders to just put his hand in the dirt and play edge when Texas needed him to play edge, I was wrong, and I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll talk about our defense. He, he could have been a useful beast the past couple of years there, but the man was made to play tight end, right? The way that all of his catches, like he, he catches the most difficult ones, it feels like. It's like, oh, you're going to hit me as I'm throwing it? Cool. My hands are, you know, it's fly paper sticky. It's going to stick. I'm falling down. I'm going to, you know, throw the first down up and run back and do it again. Um, sometimes the easier ones are the struggle for him. But no, it, it He's been great um, as much as he's been banged out. Uh, he, I thought he and Garner Helm also blocked pretty well in this one. Um, you know, I, I thought this was a very, very good Sanders game. Uh, worthy, look, I, I've, I think I heard people saying Josh Newton was a day one cornerback. And I don't know if Worthy took that personally or Sark did, um, but they hunted him. I mean, it was, they said, we're just going to have Newton you know, follow Worthy around and man up on him so that we can keep guys over the top for Adonai Mitchell, which has been how teams have been burnt before because they've tried to bracket Worthy. Um, and, and look, I don't care how good your cornerback is. No one in the country, Kool-Aid McKinstry, you know, any cornerback who's tried it in the country. And this is why, you know, Xavier Worthy's stats may not be glaring, but the real ones know no one in the country can cover him one on one. You just can't. He's too quick. He can shut down a you know a curl route so quick if the ball's there. You know you cannot come back to it. If you play too close, he can get by you. He can run whip routes and route trees and crosses with you know his quickness more than his speed. It's just it, it's unsettling to defenders and they can't stay uh, in front of him. And he torched a really good cornerback and and TCU in the second half did try uh, to go away from it a little bit. But yeah, I mean he could have had more. This his. <laughs> 10 catches for 137. He stepped out, I think cost himself 40 yards and a touchdown. You know, he could have been closer to, to 200 yards. So really great game for him. But I mean, it is, it is Adonai Mitchell, who's the receiver and player of the game. I mean, obviously you have the touchdown, you have the, a, a big time first down, and then you have the game ceiling catch. All the guy does is make plays that matter. <laughs> like it, it's become a weird trope. Like, I just want him to have a game where he has 19 catches, no touchdowns, and only you know six first downs. Like just I don't, I don't <laughs> Kyle. I I want him. I continue to just be the killer, but let, continue, yeah. like make the make the kill shot in the second quarter, not sure. the fourth quarter. Right? Sure. That's what I sure. want from him. Sure. Uh, and that's not all on him, right? But we'll flip sides to the defense, and you know the the Longhorns. It's it's almost like they're like a it's a half defense in a lot of weird <sighs> ways. And I don't know what to say because like we could start if you if you tell me that TCU rushes for eighty eight yards in this game, I'm like Texas wins by a billion points, right? The fourth sub one hundred yard performance on the ground for the Texas defense after having four in the previous two years. That's the best streak since two thousand and nine when they had six in a row early in the season three sacks six tackles for loss all three of those sacks came from defensive tackles which is absolutely awesome. ridiculous awesome. it shouldn't happen but then texas gave up 302 passing yards um you know they were on them early and then kind of relaxed late and it's just it's you know TCU found something they liked. Josh Hoover found something he liked with the Savion Williams matchup and really abused yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and, and that was the big thing that hurt Texas and, and opened up a few other things. Um, but it's hard for me to blame the defense in a lot of ways because the offense didn't play very complimentary in this game um, in that third quarter stretch. And 
a lot of the fourth quarter, but like 302 yards is still quite a bit, quite a big number for them to put up. No, I mean, there was chunk plays, right? Like, don't get it wrong. It's a very, very good um, defense. It's the consecutive weeks where you've gone to halftime. I think it was like almost 300 yards until that last minute against Kansas State and 200 yards uh, in this one where you go to halftime with just a, in, uh, like egregious uh, yard differential, right? It's it's they, they play, you know, the first whatever, you know, 25 minutes of football has been – incredible on both sides of the ball but especially in defense but I mean it was again chunk plays and and they got a running game going all the rushing yards pretty much came in the second half they almost didn't even want to try it in the first half and I'll give credit to their running back who that guy runs as hard and as fast downhill like you know usually the idea of like a lightning fast quick kind of jitterbug scat back whatever is that you know he makes misses happen and Barry Sanders's way to plays this guy's you know ran like he was Derrick Henry but he was 112 pounds like he just was electric quick um and just hit the hole hard right give him credit uh, the way he ran um in the second half right I, they also though i mean those i, I worry if there was more football, if this one did go to overtime again, um, the last four uh, possessions of the game, they we stopped them inside the five. They had 62 yards. They got seventy six play, 74-yard drive for a touchdown, nine play, 75-yard for a touchdown, and then three play, 36 for a touchdown, right? That's, that's a tough end. It was not trending well for a while. It was, of course, the inability uh, for Michael Taft to, to lock down, you know, six-foot, seven receivers which is not what he should be doing and nope. Savion um it, it was an inability just to track that guy generally um and and you know to his credit Hoover made some throws right made some plays and and they found something it was not enough because Kendall Bryles got fired after this game and no one's upset about that um but uh but yeah I mean it was uh it was interesting it was not the exact playbook that we've seen teams beat um, Texas with, but there were some of the same ugly things in the second half that reared their their head. It almost feels like if you can avoid the interior pressure against the run and the pass, there's you know meals to be had if, if you hunt certain cornerbacks. Or um, Johnny Barron had a, had a big hit. He, he kind of limped when he came up on it. I, I thought this was not his single best game, and I, I wonder if he was a hundred percent or what. But um, yeah, it it felt like. There were just some guys who could be gotten our secondary, and unfortunately, that's that's a little bit of a worrying trend for sure. Yeah, and I think we'll we'll see how it goes this coming week. But uh, overall, special teams nothing too crazy. Um, but the Burt Auburn experience is back. You know, he missed two against Kansas uh, from fifty and forty-seven. He's gone seven of seven since, including a three of three from inside fifty. I think most three of them were like forty-five and fifty yard between the forty-five and fifty yard uh, range there. So great outing from Burt. Aside of special teams, that's probably the big thing. Third downs for Texas, still terrible offensively, still incredible defensively. Uh, they're now number know. number one in the country in third down defense. And they're number 101, I think, in third down <laughs> offense, which it's fine. It is what it is. They're still winning, right? The most important stat is dubs, but that is something to be concerned about. Um, can I can I just call out one more time and give course. it its due, Gerald? I think the play of this game, and, and I believe most people will, will agree with this, even though it was early, um, was the fact that Jordan Whittington, a guy who was a, you know, uh, 
state champion offensive and defensive MVP in the same game. I just remember him huffing for air at the end because he played every single snap and got the ball every play on offense and made every play on defense. The guy is the heart and soul of a warrior. And my wife jokes that he's been in school for 25 years, but it's not quite that much. But, um, you know, when he's healthy, we're seeing he can do all of it. Like he probably could have been a pretty good defensive player at the college level. He misses the tackle immediately after the interception. And the hustle, the heart, the like Whittington of it all to chase him down 40 yards down the field, not just chase down, but have the wherewithal to do perfectly trained defensive drills for a guy who's not trained to cover the ball up and knock that thing out. And then Xavier Worthy, who got tackled, had Newton laying on him, got up and sprint down to be the guy to recover it. Like that's hustle plays. That's winning football. Um, I talked about Texas not always executing, not always making those plays, but that play right there showed the difference to me in what this what this team is this year versus other years, why they're eking them out instead of heartbreakingly losing. Yeah. I mean, and the heart of a champion is like a dumb thing to say, but like, it's true, right? Like the fact that both of those guys were able to recover and make those plays absolutely incredible. And and I think shows why. um, And, you know, I, I had this discussion with, with a few people and I haven't said it publicly, but like, you know, people talk about like when you win tight games like this, the variance is going to catch up with you and they point to TCU. Right. But I think there is something to be said about being so talented that the variance isn't as where it tips it from a 50, 50 to like a 51, 49. Right. Sure. Because like, yes, Texas won a one score game against uh, Kansas state, but also Texas has a Tavondre sweat that's able to knock down a surefire touchdown pass uh, to win the game. Um, and they have a Terrence Brooks who's able to lock down a side of the field while Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy create havoc in the backfield to end that game, right? So, like, yes, variance is a thing, but also, like, sometimes you're just really freaking good and the odds are in your favor, right? The old adage is, you know, good luck is when hard work meets preparation. That's right. And sprinkle a little five-star talent on there or three-star mm. talent that's developed into NFL first-round kind of guys, those things go a long way. And so, yeah, I you know, do I want to see Texas winning these one-score games all the time? No, but do I think that the way that this roster is built, I just, and the way that college football is now, I just don't think that blowouts are going to be all of that common when you're playing conference games, regardless of the conference. FBS on FBS, I don't think blowouts are going to be all that common anymore with the way that the transfer portal is and the way that all of college football is nowadays. Georgia's of last year are going to be the rarity. Case in point, Georgia of this year is... <laughs> Is having to eke out now. They absolutely brained these last two opponents, but they've been eking them out all year. So another conversation for another day. But Texas continues to roll. Podstradamus still close. Brought to you by Prize Picks. Kyle leads eight to six and a half. We didn't play last week because I was not here for the preview show because I was uh, twelve hours ahead. Mister Worldwide, uh, something like that. Flew over. Four oceans or two oceans twice, whatever you want to say it. But back here now, we'll be back on Thursday with some more previews. We'll preview the Iowa State game, and obviously we'll give you your Podstradamus picks then. But that brings us to the part of the show where we whip around the rest of campus and we down the 40. And we'll start with the ladies of the pitch. Soccer earns a clean sheet to start the NCAA tournament. Moving to the round of 32 with a 2-0 win over Lamar. Absolutely incredible performance from them. Taking on, now they're going to have four-seed Wisconsin on Friday. It's going to be a tough matchup, but uh, a big opener, a statement opener for the ladies in the NCAA tournament. 
That's right. Uh, Mia Justice got her ninth clean sheet of the season. That's tied for second all-time on Texas's single-season record books. I'm telling you, this transfer portal era, that my favorite are these one-year transfers who make you know indelible, incredible uh, impacts. Adonai Mitchell's putting himself uh, in that category of the Mike Antico, Serge Jabari Rice. Throw Mia Justice up there. Uh, Ryan the Sanborn. Uh, Sanborn, for sure. He uh, oh, he can stick around for a couple years. Punters, no one's checking eligibility. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the goals came from where you'd expect them. Lexi Mismo and Trinity Byers. Byers, in fact, in this one passed. Kelly McDonald from the early 2000s become the program's new leader in career goals with 47. But this, this stat surprised me a little bit um, because I remember when we were in school, Texas soccer was good, and they're good right now. But it's only their sixth tournament victory uh at home and they've hosted 10 of them uh in the tournament and only their 10th NCAA tournament victory of all time in 17 appearances yeah absolutely incredible outing from them and again they've got the kind of talent and the kind of tournament experience high level tournament experience that this could be a run for them i'm not saying it's going to be wisconsin is a really really tough squad really really tough out but again the international competition that they face the level of talent that's on the team and just the way they're playing right now Mm. they've been playing really really well over the last three or four weeks uh there's something to be said about peaking at the right time right hopefully the ladies can continue this run wisconsin they're going to take that game is going to be at 1 p.m on friday the badgers are coming off a two nil win over over, uh, some in-state hate over Milwaukee in the opening round. On keeping it national, number nine men's cross country wins the NCAA South region. South whoop. keeping it national, the number nine men's cross country team won the NCAA South Central Regional. The ladies finished fifth. Nine horns earned all NCAA South Central Region honors. That's right. And Devin Hart, um, as I've said all year, has been pacing this team again, another great transfer who's really, uh, I don't say single-handedly, but certainly his finishes have elevated uh, this program um, all the way. The women were just uh, like two uh, two points from being uh, in fourth place, but they had some qualifiers, the the men's team and, and multiple individuals from the women's team qualified for the NCAA Cross Country Championships, which are this weekend, Saturday, November 18th in Charlottesville, Virginia. A little bit of a mixed result from the national stage. I guess not national stage yet, but number three volleyball goes one and one, dropping their first conference match of the year. Fell got swept by Kansas State on the road, but then responded by sweeping Cincinnati in kind of a hey, we're going to get this back. Uh, sorry for you, Cincy. Just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, it did feel like, you know, I think they'd won like 13 in a row, something like that. They they were really, you know, looking as they got into that number three mark. Like they were back and, and just kind of peaking as a tournament team, being dominant, winning close ones, but also, you know, flexing a little bit. And I don't know if it was the Kansas State uh, football team, if Chris Kleiman saved all his mojo for this one uh, or, or, you know, just the anger of the, the overtime win in football, but they seemed to take it out. Uh, when the the Horns had to travel to Manhattan for that one. Um, And then they took out that rage on Cincinnati. They hit a season high, 476, holding the Bearcats to .062, hitting across three matches, which is um, not not good. You don't win a lot that way. Madison Skinner was great, finished with 13 kills on just 19 total attacks. That's, that's, um, That's a real good ratio there, adding four blocks, two digs, two aces, and two assists. And then... 
our girl, Asia O'Neal. Great match, nine kills, eight total blocks. Those blocks saw her set the program record, the all-time University of Texas career record, and there's been some great middles that have come through here, but she, her 545 career blocks surpassed Chiaka Agbogu. Absolutely incredible performance from her. Texas clinched a share of their second... Texas clinched at least a share of their seventh consecutive Big 12 championship, and they'll continue that run this week. Number 11, women's basketball begins the season 2-0 with a massive win, 80-35 over Southern, and then a palindrome over Liberty, 75-57. to Big way to open the mood for the ladies. Uh, no one takes more liberties than the University of Texas. No, I wow. I'll, I'll, I'll leave wow. that. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, a great start for Vic's squad. Um, that 80 to 35 over Southern fantastic, fantastic Southern uniform combo. Um, it's like if they took UCLA and ran it through like a, um, you know, a, a, an Instagram filter is a great, fantastic uniform. If you haven't seen those pictures, if you didn't watch that game, go check it out. Uh, the bigs in that one dominated Taylor Jones, 19 and 12. Amina Muhammad, both getting double doubles, 14 and 14. Rory Harmon did what she does in that first game, had eight points, nine assists, seven rebounds, four steals, getting close to, you know, quadruple double territory there, but uh, just spread it around 22 offensive rebounds, 24 to zero advantage and second chance points um, against Liberty. Liberty came out and shot lights out, especially in the second quarter. They shot 80%, um, but they were hitting from deep, hitting from everywhere. Uh, it took Texas uh, when they couldn't hit the the broadside of a, a barn, shooting two for 15. It, it almost looked like, uh-oh, is, uh, is, is Liberty going to do something silly here? But uh, Texas forced 35 turnovers in that one, which is uh, a good way to ensure you get a good, comfortable win. Rory Harmon for her trouble, 14 points, five assists, three steals against Liberty. Moves to the top 10 in program history for assists. Muhammad, 14, 7, 4, and 3 in that one. Next up for Texas, UT Arlington back at the mood on Tuesday at 7 p.m. On the men's side, number 17 men's basketball defeats Delaware State, 86 to 59. Ace Miss recorded a team high 19 points, 12 of which came from beyond the arc while Dylan Mitchell chipped in a 14 and 11 double double. Yeah, on this, Texas had no problem on the men's side uh, shooting from deep. Uh, Horton, Nathiel Horton had 18 points, hitting five of six threes. Ace Miss's Gerald Tittle was four of eight from deep. As a team, they shot 53. 3% from the field, but fifty almost 55% from three-point line uh, and 86% from the free throw, which was great to see. Um, that Delaware State team was tall. I tweeted about it, but I, I'm just going to give you the numbers here, Gerald. They had a 6'11 senior center, a 6'11 grad student forward, a 6'10 senior forward, a 6'8 a grad student um, for, uh, forward, three three junior 6'8 forwards and one freshman. That's one underclassman in the 6'8 realm. They had eight guys 6'8 or better, and only one of them is younger than 21 years old, right? That's that's a lot it's of like trees. It's like the row in front of us at a Texas football game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it was like, uh, except our, our, our poor wives could see this game on TV instead of having to stand behind those giants. But um, no, it, it, 
I, I was a little bit worried when I saw them warming up that th- this team just had giants. And, and then when I realized they were all upperclassmen, this could be trouble for some people. They've played Penn State and Texas. They might give some people trouble. Even their guards, they have 6'6", six, 6'4", six, 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 all over the place. They're tall. They're absolutely huge. But uh, Texas had no trouble with Felled them on those that. trees. I like it. Next up for them, some rice on Wednesday, 8 p.m. in the mood. You can check it out. On, I think, Longhorn Network, you can check that one out as well. But that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Gerald, there are times when I think certain people in the world just can't be happy. You can't have a new enough car. You can't have a flashy enough outfit you can't have a big enough house you can't have the list can go on you just can't find happiness with the things you choose to define happiness by sometimes and for texas football fans you would think winning would be how you would choose to define happiness but if you did you know a a twitter uh sentiment score of texas fan base uh and then tried to translate that you would you would probably translate to that of about a, a a three or four win team right now instead of being nine and one is just so negative. Um, and I get it. They are, like we said, these have been cardiac games, but it feels like years past, like, you know, or even other schools when TCU did this last year, their fans in other places lean in and embrace it. Like, man, we did just enough. That's awesome. We got by. And Texas, if we don't win 70 to zero every week, our fans are just so angry. Um, yeah. I would have loved to, to, like I said, in our, our recap to, to, close this one out hit the the you know ramp and and accelerate right i would i would love that um but again texas is nine and one we fixed a lot of things we've built the lines up where we're going to be competitive in this year and years forward we're in 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 year three of the stark experiment give him time we gave him time he's in the college football playoff hunt they you know the only real opponent left is themselves they have to not beat themselves and they're in the big 12 championship game if they win out all the national media have already said it bmoc uh bomc burn orange media conspiracy of course uh texas is gonna make the stinking playoff which i don't even know if they're a playoff team but if they win out even if it's by one point each game they're gonna make it um so enjoy it enjoy the most successful season you know in decade in a decade at least right enjoy since colt mccoy left the best year we've had enjoy elite defensive performers who are doing things that no one's ever seen enjoy jonathan brooks coming out of nowhere enjoy one year of adonai mitchell being a hero enjoy xavier worthy doing electric things when he has the ball in his hands uh enjoy it like i don't know if it's that hard to ask like i get it ask for more hold people accountable but enjoy it yeah, I mean, you've got to, right? Like, I, you and I launched a Texas football podcast in year two of the Charlie Strong era. It's like, we've seen some stuff, right? Like, we have seen some stuff. Uh, and so, like, like I said off top, I'm having more fun than I've had since Colt McCoy got hurt in that national championship game. And yes, I'm frustrated. Yes, I want to see Texas close these games out. Yes, I, I said it, right? If Texas can close it out, Jonathan Brooks doesn't tear his ACL, right? Like, those are things that I've said. But when push comes to shove, nine and one is better than five and seven or five and four, whatever record we would be looking at at this point in time. So, yeah, there are things to correct, but also enjoy it because not everybody 
can be like this. Speaking of not everybody can be like this, College Station, uh, after a like 12 score win, um, they decided to fire Jimbo Fisher in College Station, no longer with the Texas A&M Aggies. I'm making a drum this week on like the reality of coach firings. And Sark talked about it in his presser today. Like it is a weird world in which, um, you know, you fire somebody in November, which first of all, if you fire them in November, you probably should have fired them in December, like last December. Uh, but that's another conversation for another day. Uh, but you fire these guys in November with the hopes of jumping the line to hire your next guy and get somebody in place before early signing day so you can keep that recruiting class together and Sark said something really profound today I hadn't really thought about it but essentially you're telling your current team that you're punting on them because of these 17 and 18 year old kids that you want to bring in for the future and that sucks right and that's just one of the things that sucks about these coaching moves right we talk about Jimbo getting paid you know 75 mil to not like the new Bobby Bonilla right Bobby Bonilla eat your heart out but like there are 10 other coaches and 30 other support staff members that aren't getting an eight figure buyout. They're just having to uproot their wives and their kids and their whole entire families and go somewhere else. Um, so yeah, like it's funny to make fun of the Aggies and it's funny to make fun of Richard justice who said that Jimbo Fisher was going to rule college, college football. But like, I feel for all of those other coaches and the other yeah. staff members, all the other people that are trying to build a life. Like it just sucks. So like, yeah, let's laugh at the Aggies, but also like, let's not laugh too hard. Yeah. I know a lot of coaches. I know a lot of coaches <laughs> who are somewhere in the ranks, you know, working their way up to be that top dog. And it's a lot of work and a lot of, moving your your family to six or seven different schools it's almost like a military kid right because of the nature of the the business right now um certain coach who's at texas i know well who took his kids out of state and back into state and then out of state you know and it's, it's tough it's tough to settle um it's a lot that goes into this now a&m is uniquely qualified to laugh at i believe after jimbo gets his lump sum of whatever you know 30 million he will make 7.6 million in perpetuity until the 2030s which is wild um you know tony busby and others just whipping the checkbook but it's also funny to laugh at bobby petrino steve adazio and uh their defensive coordinator who who also has killed human beings so they have enough deplorables that like you can stop laughing after the top four people on their staff who are all actual bad people and it's well-documented. Um, the guys down the list are the ones, yeah, you will feel bad. Maybe they'll stick on with a new new regime because those guys, you know, you, you don't hate them. Yeah, I don't mind when bad things happen to, like, Bobby Petrino or Steve Adazio or those types, but um, sucks for all the rest of the coaches. That's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the Internet? Oh, you can follow me on the socials at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. Follow me on Twitter X. I'm at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter X at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We'll be back on Thursday previewing this pivotal Iowa State matchup getting down to the nitty-gritty for the conference championship. We'll be back on Thursday with that preview. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook em. Hook em. TCU lost again by naming their rivalry with Baylor, the Blue Bonnet Bowl. Blue Bonnet Baptism. <laughs> <laughs>